everybody welcome into another episode of the buffalo beat my name is joe Pascalia. thanks for hanging out with with me for a little bit this is technically our post game episode from the bills taking on the cincinnati Bengals, a 24 to 18 loss and i am recording this a, a few days later and there is reason for that first of which is that very uh late night trying to break that all down so, combined with an early flight and then it got to a point where it's like, okay, well, Sean McDermott's about to talk. Are they going to fire Ken Dorsey? Wanted to give that the, the type of time uh, just to just to make sure that we had a, a really up-to-date pod for you in case they did. And then on top of that, uh, I I thought to myself, okay, maybe it would be better if, if I watched the film to see exactly what went down in this game, specifically on offense. So that's why I'm recording this on Wednesday for the post-game episode. I'll still be doing the live room on Friday, just as a heads up, uh, before this upcoming Monday night football matchup with the Denver Broncos, which the Bills should probably win based on how the Broncos have performed for the majority of the season. But today is all about the Bengals game and maybe bigger picture from what we learned from the Bengals game. Now, there was a lot of strong opinions after the game. I'm certainly one of those who uh, who have said, okay, it might be time to think about a potential change at offensive coordinator. And, it, and, and I didn't want to arrive to that point hastily because when you start to say, okay, what can change here? What can help facilitate an overall better offensive environment? And to me, with all of the logic pointing toward the Bills not living up to their full offensive potential, and it being now over halfway into the season, with a group of games, you can throw the Broncos and Jets in there if you want. I mean, the Bills did lose to the Jets, and the Broncos did just beat the Chiefs, but after that, it's at Eagles, at Chiefs, home against Cowboys, at Chargers. Four absolutely rough games and the Chargers look like a much different team than than what they were early on in the season too so you have all of these all of that leading into it you have an overall disjointed and stale offensive environment where you never know what you're going to get from one drive to the next they could come out and be absolutely historic well that might be hyperbole but just be absolutely awesome on the first drive of the game, averaging 12 yards a play, just crushing it and moving it down the field with ease, getting into the end zone. Like there's that end of the spectrum that they've had. And then also stages and extended stages of them not being able to register really anything other than a field goal. And that, having that much of a, um, that much of a disparity between the two results 
leads to a lot of frustration. It leads to frustration inside the building. It leads frustration to the fan base, I'm sure. And it makes a lot of people wonder, where did that Bills offense go from a couple of years ago when Brian Dable was here? And the one thing that you can point to that is different from when Brian Dable was here is that Brian Dable was here. So obviously a lot of attention is going to go to Ken Dorsey. And I think for the most part, it is warranted. I mean, Dorsey, I don't think is, is like horrible by any means. I don't think he's a, he's a necessarily bad have to replace him immediately sort of thing. Like I can see why they're, they're sticking around with him just because there are spells where they still look good. But I don't think he's necessarily altogether crazily creative. I don't know that there's that knowledge or maybe knowledge is the wrong word, that experience to be able to pivot against what defenses are doing instead of just continuing to running similar principles time in and time out. And that's when you become more predictable. That's when you have guys like Cam Taylor Britt knowing knowing exactly what's coming or thinking he knows what's coming, not falling for the pump fake from Josh Allen and then drifting back to pick off that pass, which was easy. It was easy for him because it, it felt like he knew it was coming. Allen also stared down the target, but be it as it may. So there is obvious logic to why moving on from the offensive coordinator would necessarily be a good thing and maybe a fresh perspective. And I also found it very interesting after the game that the tone from Sean McDermott and Josh Allen, most notably, I felt was a bit more direct from from McDermott. And then with Allen, it wasn't staunch support that it had been. It's not as though he was, Allen was asked flat out, like, do you believe in Ken Dorsey? It was more, more along the lines of, okay, what was the reason behind Gabe Davis not getting involved? And he basically, Josh Allen basically said, you know, I was just trying to execute the plays that were called to the best of our ability. And anytime you hear the plays that were called within a setting of a press conference, it's not the best of signs. It probably reads worse than maybe he meant it. But even still, if there's even that shred of something in there where he's starting to lose a little bit of faith in Ken Dorsey, that's notable because he has been so far on Ken Dorsey's side because he was effectively one of the main reasons that Ken Dorsey was hired in the first place. And then later on in that press conference, when he was asked about not going up-tempo until later in the game, and Josh just said, that was just our game plan going in. So rather than, and what Allen does a lot of times in these post-game press conferences, he'll he'll put the blame on himself. That's That's who he usually is, but 
that's a couple of times where he goes, all right, well, we were just going with the plays that are called, and that was our game plan going in. That's the tone that I'm talking about that kind of shifted from him. And then with McDermott, it went from subtle to a little bit more aggressive, whereas it was terms used like that can't happen when talking about having that much of a a lull from an offensive perspective going up against a Bengals team like that. Then continuing to push the the desire to establish the line of scrimmage. And pointing out the fact that they only had eight running back carries total and wanting to become more two-dimensional. Not necessarily 50-50 balance, but wanting to become two-dimensional because that's what good offenses do in Sean McDermott's mind. So when you hear all of those things coming from the head coach and the quarterback, probably outside of Brandon Bean, like those are the three most important people when it comes to whether or not Ken Dorsey will remain employed by the Buffalo Bills. And we didn't hear from Bean, but we know two of those. It, it, it sounded a little different after the game. But, as we know now, on Monday, came and went, Ken Dorsey remains the offensive coordinator. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And when he met with the media on Monday, he spoke a bit about needing to play with a bit more balance. Which goes directly into the desires of what head coach Sean McDermott wants. So now here we are. We've got an offensive coordinator struggling to find, I suppose, his identity. You've got a head coach wanting to force what, or maybe not, strongly suggesting 
what he believes equates to good offense in today's NFL. And sometimes those principles seem to be competing a bit. And it's putting the Bills in this weird little zone. And I go back to the Bengals film because that's where that's where this led my I guess overall overview of why things are where they, where they are and maybe why they're still kind of stuck in the mud to where they've had six not so great offensive performances out of their nine games this season but are still 5 and 4 so i go to the film and i look and i'm like okay what did the Bengals do to thwart the Bills as often as they did in the middle portions of the game? The first drive we know was great. The last drive was great. They they scored a touchdown, kind of a too little, too late touchdown, but out of the half was pretty good. They got a field goal out of it. And then the drive where Dalton Kincaid fumbled it away, that was another good drive. So what what was the reason? Was it something the Bengals were doing? Was it something that Josh Allen wasn't doing? Was it something that Ken Dorsey wasn't doing? I think it's such a, a nuanced answer that it's it's tough to pin down because there's just so many layers to it. So from... Right from the get-go, we saw the Bills come out and throw the ball a ton. They did not run the ball once in that opening drive. They averaged 12 yards per play. They looked great. And it was to the point where after, because the Bengals started with the with the ball, they went down and scored. The Bills got the ball. They went down and scored with ease. The Bengals get the ball back. They move it down the field and, and score again, 14-7 to in the matter of three drives. And it got to a point where I'm like, this might be one of those games, and even if it is one of those games where the Bills wind up losing, maybe in a high 30 shootout, I think that's still a great result based on a lot of the trepidation that a lot of people have had about this Bills team over the last month or so of the season, which is all about the offense. But after... The Bengals went up 14 to 7. The Bills went flat. And I found it interesting that that kind of coincided with when it almost felt like the Bills, and in this case, Ken Dorsey, felt like he needed to check the box and run the ball a bit. That very next drive, when they're down 14 to 7, they try running the ball on first down, only goes for two yards. The, the Cincinnati then takes a penalty on second down, which gives the Bills another first down opportunity. Dorsey runs it again. Loss of one. Now this puts them in a really bad spot. They wind up, I believe, to go back and look just to be sure, but I believe punting the ball a couple of plays after that. So here you have, yeah, a couple of plays after, 
They lost lost one, then it was an incompletion to Dalton Kincaid, and then an incompletion to Deontay Hardy, and then punt. And this is where it gets a little tricky, because for Dorsey and the Bills to do what they did in that first drive, they did not call a design run on any of those seven plays. And they were electric. Josh Allen went five of six. And then scrambled it in for a touchdown. Just seemed like, it seemed like more like themselves than it had in a while. Even the Buccaneers game where they got back to a little bit of offensive success. Even that game was, they still left a lot of points out there. It felt like it wasn't necessarily what the Buccaneers were doing, but it's what the Bills were not doing in the second half specifically. So that first drive was like, okay, that's the Bills team from 2020. And it's unsustainable to expect them to average 12 yards per play on each drive. But then you dig a little bit deeper into some of the numbers from the game. And I mentioned those two first down plays from uh, from that second drive. And I think those are important here. Because when you look at what the Bills did on first down, I have to get my notebook because I have these exact stats. When you analyze what they did on first down, including that first drive, including every single drive, they did not run the ball a ton. They ran it four times out of 27. Two of which was on that second drive that I'm talking about. That went for two yards and then negative one yards. So they dropped back to pass on 23 of those 27 first downs I'm talking about. And the numbers were outstanding. Simply put, the Bills on first down, when they dropped back to pass, Josh Allen was 17 of 21 for 196 yards. He had two scrambles for 13 yards and the touchdown. Which, all in all, equates to 9.1 yards per play when the Bills dropped back to pass on first down. But rather, when they ran the ball on first down, four times, got 10 yards out of it. So, average of 2.5 Yards per yards per play. And of those 10 yards, six of them came on one play. So the other three went for four yards. And that's putting your offense in a bad spot. So going back and watching this and, and reviewing all of the ways that the drives kind of went in and out. I actually came away thinking like, okay, that's a good pivot by Ken Dorsey. It didn't work. On, on that on that one drive, they didn't go back to it like they did. Their next first down run, I believe, was in the second half, if I'm not mistaken. No, it was in the first. It was in the second quarter. My my bad. Um, it was when it was the the second to last drive before halftime. Okay, six yards on on first down, two yards on another run on second down because. Hey, you get get one good rushing play, might as well do it again, right? 
And then Josh Allen was sacked on, on third and two, and they, they're forced to punt. But it's all about this, who the Bills inevitably want to be. And I think there's a stark difference, potentially, in what they are best at, which is throwing the ball a lot, quick strike, passing attack, setting up some deeper shots later down the game when you're getting defenders to move up a little bit. Sometimes no huddle, not always sustainable, but sometimes no huddle, but absolutely mixing it in throughout the throughout stages of the game. And then run when convenient. But then there's this overarching thing where the head coach of the team believes strongly in establishing the line of scrimmage, getting into a rhythm, which in his mind means setting up second and medium, which sets up third and short, and all of these other things. And a lot of that, because he basically alluded to the fact that they only had eight running back carries the entire game, he's not happy with that. He was stressing being two-dimensional. He did say that it doesn't have to be a 50-50 split, but stressing it to be two-dimensional basically means we need to run the ball a whole hell of a lot more than we have. And it's interesting because the Bills are a bit of a flawed rushing team. Like, have they had their moments? Sure, that happens. But this is not an offensive line made to win with power. That's why I thought the the signing of Damian Harris when they did it was kind of weird because he's an inexact fit. The offensive line is built for speed, not built for power. Mitch Morse is not a power guy. He's a pin and pull guy. Connor McGovern, not a great run blocker. An outstanding pass blocker this season. Not great at run run blocking. Osiris Torrance is probably their best compilation between power and and athleticism. But he's a rookie. He only plays one position. Spencer Brown's still trying to figure it out. And he's had a better year this year. But is he a power run blocker? No, more, more so get him out in space. Have him utilize his athleticism. The guy I'm leaving out here is Deion Dawkins because I think I think he's just having an incredible season. But when the majority of your offensive line is not made for that, then why does it continue to be a talking point? Why does it continue to be the thing that you go back to when you feel like there's the offense isn't going the way that you want it to go? It's a bit confusing because it almost feels like the Bills are kind of working against themselves in a way. And you come away and I can understand based on what I saw and like the numbers that 
that I saw from this game, them convincing themselves that to give Dorsey another couple of home games, I mean, at least one more home game. It's just, and I, like I said, I, I like the fact that he basically did away with running the ball on first down after the, after the first half was done, did it one more time. With a running back, mind you, not not uh, not a quarterback, because they opened the one drive with uh, Josh Allen doing a designed run for ten yards. That that's good. That's a different element. It's not running the ball with your running backs, which they have proven to be not that great at this year, and it's kind of been their thing for a while now. So if you have these differing principles kind of kind of working against each other, and you see a very pass heavy offense working while occasionally mixing in runs, not necessarily on first down, but like, hey, how about second and short? If you're getting nine yards on first down on pass plays, on average, you're set up with a second and one. Sure, run the ball, get the first down, reset it, keep it going. So that way you can run to keep them honest, but you're also putting less pressure on your rushing attack. To have to get four, five, six yards. And also, if you're running on second and short, odds are you got the the defense with their backs up a little bit because they just let up a, a bunch of yards on first down. And now they're facing second and short and they're trying to they're trying to prevent another big passing play. It's just it just becomes more unpredictable. But then there's always this little I don't know, this little talking head on the shoulder of Ken Dorsey going, hey, don't forget about running the ball. And that's where I think this whole thing feels so disjointed because you can't really do everything if you're not an offense that can do everything. I think McDermott has done a really nice job in his time at, at uh, in Buffalo, but one of his one of his flaws is how much he believes in running the football, even in the face of information that says the Bills really aren't that good at running the football. It's been going on for years. Think about all the times that Sean McDermott has made some sort of comment in the postgame about not being able to feel the run game or not establishing the line of scrimmage all that well or wanting to have the threat to run, being in a rhythm. These are all code words. Two-dimensional, another one. These are all code words for them wanting to continue to be this pie-in-the-sky offense. But it's not them. And that's okay that it's not them, honestly. Because if you're moving the ball down the field the way that you were, I mean, the Bills had five really good drives, two of which should have ended in points. 
One was right at the end of the first half when there was the bogus uh, intentional grounding call. And y'all know me. I'm not the, wow, those were brutal calls. The, the referees were the worst. I, I'm not that guy. I, you will rarely hear me say anything about officiating because I think at the end of the day, every team will have bad calls made against them. But it's the egregious ones where I'm like, okay, well, that one just doesn't even make sense because it's a very obvious play. And that's that's the delineation for this intentional grounding call because it was very clearly an, an option route from Gabe Davis. So that prevented a potential field goal for the Bills. Whatever. Then, later in the game, as they were driving, see, it was their third possession of the second half. As they were driving, they're getting right into the realm of potentially punching it in for a touchdown. Then Dalton Kincaid fumbles it away. So that's maximum of 10 potential points, maybe 11 if they went for two, left on the field. But even though those two drives didn't result in any points, I just looked at what their splits were on those on those two drives, plus their actual three scoring drives. The touchdown to begin the game, the field goal to begin the second half, and then their final offensive possession where they scored the touchdown to Stefan Diggs with a two-point conversion. They ran the the on those five drives that I'm talking about, those five excuse me, I can't talk today. Those five successful drives. You know how many times they ran the ball with a running back? Four. Four times. Two of which were on third and one situations where they just needed a yard to keep the drive going. That was with Latavius Murray on that final drive. So on their first four successful drives, they ran the ball to running backs twice. Do we see the the commonality here? They should lean into the fact that they are a pass-heavy offense as opposed to continuing to try and force the fact that, hey, would really like to become a two-dimensional offense where you're running the running the ball really well and really effectively. And there are ways to accomplish that without committing to a full-on balanced attack. So when you hear Ken Dorsey saying that on Monday about wanting to find a bit more balance, I don't know that that's the step. And it's probably going to look fine against Denver because Denver in the early portion of the season had one of the worst rushing defenses in history. So maybe Sean McDermott gets his wish this week and they run the ball really well. Maybe they bring up Leonard Fournette for that extra little juice in the running game. But at the end of the day, that rushing attack is not what is going to get them where they want to go. Because it's not consistent enough to do it. And they can do it against bad teams. They can do it against bad run defenses. But if you're going to win a Super Bowl, which looks... As far as 
as far away as it ever has this season, then you need your best players and you need the strength of your offense that you you have invested so heavily into to be your offense. Josh Allen as a passer, Josh Allen as a scrambler, Josh Allen on design runs occasionally where he's smart about it. Your top running back is a pass catching back and James Cook. You've invested a huge contract to Stefan Diggs. You, you've invested in a pass catching first, pass catching second, tight end slash wide receiver in Dalton Kincaid. You went out and you signed Deontay Hardy, who's barely playing, but be it as it may. You drafted a really good pass blocking guard in Osiris Torrance. You signed a really good pass blocking guard in Connor McGovern to go with two pretty good pass blockers in Deion Dawkins and and, uh, Mitch Morse. And then you hoped that they hoped that Spencer Brown would just kind of figure it out this year. So that's, that's the overall strength here. So I think it's overall less about running to establish as opposed to running to surprise. And if you run to surprise a defense and you catch them, that's a, that's a huge play. That's a, as opposed to trying to run it into a wall, setting yourself up for second and and eight, second and seven. Then if you miss a pass on second down, then it, then all of us, because they know a pass is probably coming. Then all of a sudden it's third and long and odds are you're not going to convert it. But mixing in runs on second and short, I think that's, that's a plausible solution to all of this. Because it still lends itself to their strength and it can catch teams off guard a little bit more than, than how they had run the ball previously. So while yes, it's it's going to be an interesting week because we don't exactly know how Ken Dorsey is going to play this thing. And like I said before, they're going up against a Broncos team that has had some pretty bad run-stuffing days. So maybe that's a focal point this week for Sean McDermott and Ken Dorsey. Like I said before, would not be surprised if if they bring Leonard Fournette up for this game and just give themselves a, a, an experienced running boost. But at the end of the day, Is that running game really going to get you, as a franchise, where you ultimately want to go? Can it be a contributing factor? Sure. But like I said, if you run to surprise rather than run to establish, I feel like you're putting yourself in a better position than trying to force something that just really hasn't worked for a lot of the season. So I feel like I say this every single week, but it's a big week for Ken Dorsey. It's a big week for Sean McDermott. Is this, and what I wrote about over uh, in my All-22 breakdown, which will be posting at some point on Wednesday, I'm pretty sure, 
is just this seeming tug of war between the hypothetical of what McDermott would like it to be and the actual of what they're best at. Because I go back, I go back and watch the film, and sometimes, yeah, Ken Dorsey's predictable sometimes. Is he predictable all the time? No. Sometimes Josh Allen misses open receivers. Sometimes he doesn't see the whole field. Sometimes he gets locked onto a target. He's also pretty good a lot of the time. There are times when Stefan Diggs gets taken away, and then they forget about him because they believe he's taken away. But he isn't always taken away. <laughs> and they have to remind themselves of that, and then they work him back in in a big way, like as we saw to begin the second half, where they forced it to Stefan Diggs early and often in the second half. Which, oh, by the way, having three catches in their first five plays helped set them up to get down into Cincinnati territory and they get their field goal. It's just... It feels like they believe, or at least from a McDermott perspective, believes that the answer is simplifying things in the way of running the ball a bit more, whereas I feel like that's making it more complex than anything, especially if they're not good at it. I feel like simplifying it is going, okay, lean into the passing attack. Letting Ken Dorsey do what he feels to be best. Because there is there is an influence factor here. There absolutely is. Sean McDermott is Ken Dorsey's boss. If Sean McDermott wants to have a little bit more balance and run the ball, trying to have the threat to run, being more effective running the ball, then they're probably going to try to run the ball. Because at the end of the day, that's Ken Dorsey's boss. However, where is the line here of And by the way, what McDermott and his knowledge that he brings to the table, that can be valuable. Like what is difficult for defenses to prepare for? And one of his answers is a two-dimensional offense. Yeah. That's valuable stuff and being able to impart that knowledge in more specifics than, than just that, because that's very general, then that's, that's very impactful. But you also have to lean into the strengths of your team. I feel like I'm just on repeat here, but it's really difficult not to stress that the strength of their team as we have seen through the first nine games of the season, is not going to be lining up in I formation and running the ball behind a fullback. It's not going to be lining up in shotgun and, and giving the ball to a running back on first down. Odds are, the way that we have seen 
the offensive line perform from a run blocking perspective, you're probably getting two to three yards on those first down plays. Sometimes you get a little bit more, but for the most part, this is a pass blocking group. So the quicker that maybe they lean into that, maybe the better it'll be, but this game will be telling as to the overall influence of McDermott on what the offense will look like. And if it does not go the way that they or he wants it to go, they wind up losing, or let's say they kind of Ken Dorsey abandons the run just like he did against the Bengals for the most part, to running backs anyway. Very interested to see what, what that is like after we have heard the words from McDermott get a little bit stronger. So I feel like these last 40 minutes have just kind of flown right by because it's just like a, a major league rant, but it's what everyone's talking about right now. And it just feels like there's dividing principles and that's the best way I can put it. That's, that's why there's just no easy answer to this. Is Josh Allen still a good quarterback? Yes. Can he be a little bit sharper? Yes. But they have really good offensive pieces around him. And it should be better. They should be scoring more points than they are. And you could even see that there was the potential there to score more points against the Bengals and they kind of shot themselves in the foot a couple times. Or at least one time. The Kincaid fumble. So the good offense is in there. But which offense are they going to commit to? Are they going to commit to the one that suits them best? Or are they going to commit to the one that is more idealistic than realistic? So we'll see. We will definitely see when uh, when the Bills take on the Broncos on, on Monday night. All right. That's going to do it for me on this episode. I appreciate your patience for this episode, but I really wanted to give it the time and space to be able to deliver it the way that I thought was appropriate. And having the good base of knowledge behind all of it, um, rather than just kind of shooting from the hip here. So I appreciate your patience on the episode. But I will be back on Friday. I'll be doing my weekly live room. I've been doing it at uh, uh, I've been doing it uh, at some point on Friday, and I will do so maybe after practice for this one. Uh, so maybe in the 3 p.m., 4 p.m. range, something along those lines. But uh, but we will definitely do a live room where I take your questions live right on the app. If you haven't participated in it yet, it's a lot of fun. Just get out, get right on the app, type in your question, and then I'll rapid fire through as many as I can um, at the, uh, that time allows. All right. So that'll do it for me. My name is Joe Biscali. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Buffalo Beat. We'll talk to you in a couple of days. See you then.